Well, Who's more excited, you or Nate? That's tough. That's tough. Yeah, I, I, you know where I'm at. I, I, I'll save it for the show. I'll save it for the show. Welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast. We are the Houdat Jedi. Um, I'm Aaron. Joined with me as always, Dave and Fredo. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. I'd ask how you're doing, but we've been talking now for about 15 minutes. Uh, so, um, but here we are, Tuesday evening. Um, Saints won um, against uh, yeah against Jacksonville, Jacksonville. and uh, I love all of the. Um, all the shots of urban Meyer, you know, just beside himself, Twitter, like went after it. There's not many people. I don't, I dislike more than urban Meyer. I don't know. It's just, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, uh, that's what we've talked about. Um, I think we've talked about this before where they're like, you talk to certain coaches and you understand how they were able to reach players. And it's like, Oh, I get it. Like this guy could like reach anybody. I'm I'm ready to run through a wall for this guy, like Meyer, never have got it. Snake oil salesman, you know it's just. Uh, but you know he's successful, but uh, not last night. Tell you what, and everybody's everybody's talking about the good game that Jameis had, but nobody's really talking about Marquez uh, Callaway. Callaway, holy! Oh God. no! Did you see uh, Chad Ochocinco tweeted at him saying, "I want your signed jersey." <laughs> no, I didn't see that. Yeah, today he was, you know, so he's he's quickly developing a fan base, which kind of speaks to his skills and ability on display yesterday. And by the way, I, it drives me crazy when everybody's like demanding that Sean Payton, you know, announce who the the quarterback Story. is going to be, and it's like, why would you do that? It 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 it, it goes. He had something in previous seasons, like. Guys, we have a big game coming up against the Packers. You know, the you know first first game of the season. Why would you give them five extra days to prepare? You know, yeah. it's like, and 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 who says that it, they? You know, where is it the like? I don't know. An amendment to the Constitution that says that your coach has to give the starting lineup. You know, when you want it. I don't know. I will always give the benefit of the doubt to the coach because obviously they're there. They're, they know the situation. They, they, they know more about football and they're pinky than any of us. So it's like, I, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. And in this situation, maybe Winston needs a little extra prodding in practice. I know that he's been like workout warrior kicking butt, but I think Peyton may think I don't want to lose that over the next two weeks. You know, like that's a that's a possibility as well. So yeah, I, think it, I, th- I still think it's a bigger deal of just I'm not going to give Green Bay any yeah. any extra help. So, anyway. and just from the standpoint of, I mean, when you consider there is no pressure on him to announce a starter for another couple of weeks. So why even bring it up? I mean, we we wanted us as fans wanted to be resolved because 
It's almost like we want that peace of mind of knowing. But why? <laughs> why? No, no, again, I'm telling you, because we want to, we want to know that's our quarterback. That's our guy. There are things that just, there are things no. that keep me up at night, but you know who is going to be the starting quarterback not, is not one of them. You're not thinking about the jersey purchases, sir. Well, it's not just that, but it's for the last 16 years there's been two facts known about the Saints: Sean Payton was their head coach, and Drew Brees was their starting quarterback. And those two facts were unmutable, unchangeable, undeniable. We have entered a new era where one of those facts no longer applies. And everybody's panicking, freaking out because they they want to get back to that terra firma of, it's, okay, I know who my starting quarterback is. It's almost like we're in the multiverse. Um, all right, so. well, let's, uh, let's, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about basically all things Bad Batch. Um, and we have some news about some uh, non-Star Wars stuff. Uh, well, one non-Star Wars thing. Um, but uh, yeah kind of big um but uh otherwise uh we're gonna be talking about bad batch give our kind of reaction to the season it's not going to be a episode by episode rundown we're just going to kind of talk holistically um but let's start with some trivia so i'll put on my old man glasses and dave what pilot does luke address his i've been hit transmission to before crash landing on hoth that's interesting what pilot does Luke address his quote, I've been hit transmission to before crash landing on Hoth? Ooh, I know. I feel like Wedge was a part of that battle, so I'm going to guess Wedge. Your answer is Wedge. It is Hobby. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he, hobby, he, does mention, he mentions Hobby by name. Hobby, and, uh, I've been hit. <laughs> Is he? Is, was Hobby the one that said two two fighters against a star destroyer? Um, you know when Princess Leia was giving him all the I don't I don't know if that Maybe. was Hobby or not. Anyway, <clears throat> um, I liked in Rebels how they actually had Hobby. They they sprung Wedge from you know the Imperial Academy or whatever, mm -hmm. and Hobby was one of them as well. It's like that was just kind of random. All right, so um, well I guess uh. Fredo, this is kind of appropriate given the chair that I'm sitting in. Um, what's the predominant color in the decor of Chancellor Palpatine's quarters? However, don't let my clue give anything away my, uh, about my chair. Don't be. I mean, that's it. You mean in Return of the Jedi? No, because it says Chancellor Palpatine. So, what's the predominant oh. color in the decor of Chancellor Palpatine's quarters? I almost want to go with purple. See, I think I led you astray, but it was black, red. It's red hmm. because he said. See, I would have been, if I would have been yeah, if it had been Emperor Palpatine, I would have gone black because you know that throne room is always in darkness. Um. All right. So mine. Oh come on! <laughs> At the first one I read. Here we go. It's on day that I'm wiped out, tired. What's the English translation of? Kuna tuta solo. Um, I even I even made it sound like him a little bit. Kuna tuta solo. Um, I think are you, are you going somewhere solo or where are you going? Yeah, going somewhere solo. Yay! Hey, at least I know that one. McClunky. McClunky. <laughs> what is the English translation of McClunky? All right. Well, you wanna yeah before we get to the news, uh, Aaron, you wanna mention the. The hint that you were sitting on? Yeah, I got my emperor's chair. 
is a frivolous frivolous buy that I got. Um, so, um, yeah, I treated it's myself. It's like it's it's really comfy. It's too low for you know for the desk, but it sits nice in my room. So and it's it's it, you know it's it's good. So it's nice to sit and play guitar in. Um, but um, so no, it's it was fun. Yeah, really. Only issue is that he's got it put against the wall, and I'm like, the whole point of that chair is you're able to spin. 360 well to reveal yourself like i said it was it was a it was a stressful evening to get things arranged so it works um by the way uh speaking of you know the whole getting back to the whole greedo thing um did you see that they put the original actor who played job of the hut in a star wars comic in one of the just, War of the just, Bounty just recently yeah, uh, like the, the you know the Scottish dude that played him, um, you know they uh, they actually used his likeness in a comic book. So I'll let you guys look that up later. But uh, nice. Fredo, we got some we got some news, and I am uh, so this first one I'm kind of excited about, but it doesn't say when the dang thing's coming out. I don't think so. Well, no, because you're gonna get the tomorrow. We're gonna get the trailer. So yeah, well, they'll probably say coming sometime in a galaxy near you or something like that. But anyway, go ahead. So, yeah, so uh, we got confirmation that when tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, August 25th, Gamescom's uh, conference will have the world premiere of the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga game. Now, it's supposed to be opening night live. It gives you now tweet because it's, uh, it's streaming West Coast time. It shows you 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, or PT, it's uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, or 1 p.m. our time. So and Sean, about one o'clock. Will, and Sean Payton will announce the new quarterback right after. Exactly. So 1 o'clock our time is when the game's uh, opening night live will start, and that's when we should be getting the trailer for Skywalker Saga, which hopefully will tell us when the dang thing is coming. What's What's been the, what's been the holdup? Has that been a COVID thing? No idea. They've... they've I mean, there was um, it was originally scheduled to come out fall of last year for Christmas time. It got pushed to spring of this year, which tends to happen in video games. I mean, as they're polishing and fixing stuff, if something's not right, you know, they're, they're usually there are two big windows to drop stuff. One spring uh, of a year, but the primary one that everyone wants to hit is that October-November window, which is right before the holiday season. Because it's also usually when new systems drop, upgrades drop, so everybody knows every kid's gonna you know can ask their parents for one. That's a, that's well, I guess we are. I guess I would if I had to throw money down. I'd probably say oct. We thought October last year, right? Mm-hmm. About that yeah. time, yeah. and then it didn't happen. They got pushed to. Yeah, you're right. They're, it's going to be on people's Christmas list. So yeah, you're right. I'd, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I would guess this this winter fall. Uh, before Christmas, and uh, the thing about this that you asked, like, why do they keep pushing it back? My my guess on that is that they're building it from the ground up. They're not just tacking content onto the old game, you know, like the old Wii game or the old PlayStation Two games. Even um, I think they're rebuilding the thing from the ground up. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe they maybe they started doing that. They started kind of tacking on. They looked and said, "This looked like crap." Um, well, the other thing is, usually for games of this nature, kind of like this game, Madden, FIFA, 
they're going to go across all platforms. So you might be making one game, but it's going to be able to play yeah. in your Nintendo Switch and my PlayStation 4 and somebody else's Xbox One or PlayStation 5. So whenever you're making a game that's going to go across those platforms, you got to make sure that it works on everybody's system. Because yeah. if you're wrong, you know, uh, there's stories, like I'm trying to remember, there was once the, the last Batman Arkham se game series, which was infamous because they the one that came out for the consoles was perfect, but the PC port was a buggy nightmare. So you try to avoid that as much as possible. Moving on to trailer. I mean, we're so from one trailer that's going to drop to one trailer that did drop, and this is not Star Wars. Everybody and their mama by now, I'm sure, has seen Spider-Man No Way Home's release trailer that came out as we were at the, at the Saints game yesterday. All right. Yeah. I have a question real quick. Dave, do you have the DVD of... Um... The other two Spider-Man, Spider-Man, <laughs> uh, Spider-Man, the other two Spider-Man movies. Yeah, well, like there's a lot. No, uh, like, like the. So, the, so which ones do you mean? The, 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 the Tobey Maguire. No, 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 no. The, the the Tom Holland ones. Homecoming and Far From Home. Yeah, Roma. yeah, but one of them walked off. I think we loaned it to somebody, and we because, don't know where it is. Because I'm going, I'm going to be hand to God. We haven't seen those yet. Because when they're on TNT, I don't want to watch them on TNT. You know, it's I don't want to watch yeah. them with commercials. So it and it's not on a streaming service. I know this is like first world problems, but um, anyway. <laughs> so I suppose anybody out there, if you have your Spider Man movies that you can loan me and Brittany for you know a weekend, but. Uh, yeah, well, have you seen the older ones, the ones I was talking about, like the Tobey Maguire? Or I the think we, we saw we saw the first one, I believe. Yeah. I mean, um, this trailer though looked looked pretty cool, looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. yeah. they're, they're bringing Doctor Strange. They're they're leaning into the idea of the multiverse. Uh, did you catch the cackle and the line that goes with the pumpkin bomb, Dave? Yeah. yeah. Hey, even I caught that one. <laughs> and then, of course, you get the big reveal of Alfred Molina back as Doc Ock, which will be interesting. I mean, all that it implies now. Uh, our good pal Scott Colesby did point out on Twitter today saying he was glad that they didn't show either Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield in this release trailer because they're, I mean, if you're getting Alfred Molina, you're probably getting those two guys, but. It'd because, be nice if they could still if save going, If they're going the multiverse thing, then that's right. why. That's okay. But you save them for the movie. No, don't, don't splash them on a trailer to kind of reveal they're there. Yeah, I think unless they're just a major part of the story. Like if they're in half the movie to two thirds of the movie, then there's no reason to hold them out of the marketing. But if they show up in the third act and kind of save the day or something, then yeah, you, there's so no is, way you should. So is the whole is the whole thing behind this is like well let's just let's what are we gonna do for the new Spider-Man movie well let's have Doctor Strange do a multiverse thing so we can explain why there are two other even though we've had into the Spider Verse you know but let's so we can explain within the MCU why we've got different Spider Men I mean is probably I mean it's, um, it's 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 just one of those things it's like you know. It, you know why? Why do you play? Why do DJs play a certain songs? Because they have to go pee. You know, I mean that's that's really the only reason why some songs are on the radio. They're they're too long, but they're uh, they're good. I gotta go pee songs. 
So I'll say this. I think this has been something that Sony has wanted to do for a long time and something the fans have wanted to see for a long time, which is a film version of the Senator Sinister Six. And so where basically all of Spider-Man's main villains are ganging up on him. And so like Sony's been trying to get this set up for years now and they've never been able to do it. And so like for, for them to decide, okay, now's the time we're going to finally give the fans what we want. We're going to finally do this thing that we've been angling to do forever and ever and ever. This is like the smartest possible way to do that in my opinion, because People have an emotional investment in these versions of these characters already. So you just bring them in. And you, like you say, you explain it away with the you know multiverse thing. And you can do whatever you want at that point. Um, and I just think like the character building and, and like I said, that emotional investment that people have in those characters already. You've already done that. You've laid all that groundwork. It's like building up to the Avengers in a way. You know, you have the separate movies that have built up to this point. And so they're kind of cheating (laughs) in a way to try to get the same thing happening. Um, But I like it. I think it's really, really smart. I I will. I'm going to be very interested to see how the Doctor Strange character is in the upcoming movies, because this trailer makes him seem like your crazy drunk uncle, (laughs) you know, and that's not he in. Pardon me. In Infinity War and Endgame, and you know, it's it was straight as an arrow. You know, he was he was all for kind of breaking some rules in Doctor Strange, but then he kind of took his position very seriously. And now it looks like he's kind of, like I said, kind of cavalier. And I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. Maybe feeling his way. Maybe feeling his oats after saving the universe that kind of thing i will say though this is also a good way for sony to try and redeem the amazing spider-man movies under andrew garfield which yeah. i know particularly the second one with um paul giamatti as rhino and jamie, jamie fox, fox. As, as electro you know it really really turned off a ton of their fan base because they were trying to use that as a springboard for the sinister six movie and it just didn't work so it's interesting that they're bringing them. They might; those characters might be part of the Sinister Six now, you know, because yeah. they tend to be. It's a lot easier to bring them in as opposed to recasting them. So, if you try to redeem those movies in the eyes of the fans, kind of put some some of the positive stink that the Tobey Maguire movies and the Tom Holland movies got on them onto them, this is easier way to do it. And Marvel's yeah. been Marvel's been all up around us because we also have trailers for I mean obviously Eternals Eternals and Shang Chi is coming out. It's like so it's mm-hmm. it's like summer they're breaks over, kids. Up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, they're they're desperate to want to get stuff back out of, out there. Uh, I think there was there's still some hesitation and some fears to well, depending on the pandemic develops that you know. They don't, they don't want to find movie theaters closed once again. So they're hoping to get out there and people respond and react. So. But, you know, th- this will get them. It's coming out Christmas season. And, you know, it's an easy way to, you know, pack theaters. It's put out a Spider-Man movie. And so my, my slip up was one of the classic lines from Friends. Hey, why isn't it Spider-Man? Why is it Spider-Man? Because it, it's not Phil Spider-Man. <laughs> He's a Spider-Man. Spider-Man 
Spider pig. Spider pig. Spider pig. Spider pig. Does whatever a spider pig does. Can he swing from a web? No, we can't. He's a pig. All right. <clears throat> what else we got going here? Uh, so on, back onto Star Wars news. Uh, Carl Weathers was doing the rounds over at Steel City Con. And uh, some fans got to asking him about kind of what's coming up for him. And so he started talking Mandalorian season three. And so his quote is, we're going to start a new season of the Mandalorian in the next month. And I get to be in front of the camera again, and I get to direct again. So I hope you all stay on the lookout for it, watch it and support it, which, you know, end quote. And that's not really going to be a concern, but it's interesting. They already know starting in September, they're back to filming season. They're going to start filming season three, which I think kind of confirms a bunch of the stuff we've heard. And it's interesting that he's already lined up to be one of the directors of one of the episodes for next season. Because I haven't heard of if it's just bring back the old gang of directors again, or if they're going to try to spruce up with, you know, uh, another Robert Rodriguez type uh, or Taika Waititi type in there. We've heard like three different reports now on the timing of this stuff, which I think like the original uh, report like a few months back was like, we're filming right now, you know, and I guess that's been debunked at this point because we've had two subsequent interviews where a guy has been gone on the record and say, yeah, that's coming up soon. We're not doing it now. Um, the further you push it back, the further you push back the release. So now instead of next summer, we're looking at next fall. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I'm in favor of the of the quality uh, inherent in taking your time. I think like all of us are, agree with that. It's like you got to take your time well, you've doing got... this thing to do it right. So you've got we've got visions coming up, which is going to be a, a single day drop, I think. But then mm-hmm. you have Book of Boba Fett in Christmas, December. So you're you're talking what? Well, there's probably going to be six to eight episodes, maybe. Um, and and then yeah, you can then you can probably then you can probably you take you got you got Andor, um, and then you'll probably I would guess have you know, Mando season three come after that and then probably Obi-Wan. Um, so, I mean, I don't well, know. Obi-Wan's already filming, right? So mm-hmm. I think they, 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 they wrapped, <laughs> right? Yeah, wrapped. Yeah, so they're they're more likely to come out before. It, yeah, have it ready beforehand. And then again, Bad, Bad Batch will be coming too. So like, we're not going to be hurting for Star Wars television. Well, and again, the- let's, let's all, hey kids, remember some of us had to wait, you know, <laughs> many years Decades. between our star wars to get our star wars fix you know so um yeah so but, i think we can also, all wait a few more months for the mandalorian but i, I do wonder what having these other new shows because it was interesting after season one of mandalorian finished it was almost like within a month they were right back into it because they had to well, they're building content be, right i mean right yeah but now that they have all, the, all these other shows that are going to be making that content I wonder if there gives Filoni and Favreau the opportunity to start, take a step back, assess kind of where they want to go, and you know take their time and before they get back into filming. Because again, there's not no longer the you know you may be the the firstborn, but you know so not the only one. So, well, they've they've had over eight months now to get their scripts right. Right. So. I'd say that's a positive. I'm sure they haven't been working on that them the whole time, but um, 
you know, those little nagging thoughts that occur to you at random times, mm -hmm. like when you're in the shower, oh gosh, this one line of dialogue's terrible. I got to go back and change that. So um, I think that can only help. Well, speaking of Star Wars content, then, okay, I'll, I'll preface this with based. No, I'm using that segue. Uh, I'll preface it by saying rumor, rumor. This is coming from the hashtag show. Their headline is Finn prequel slash sequel Star Wars series in the works for Disney Plus. So you're talking about content? Here's more content. So their word on that that they're talking about is saying apparently this week they can share that John Boyega's Finn may be getting an upcoming series on Disney Plus. It had been previously been announced that. J.D. Dillard and Matt Owens, who did Slight and Luke Cage and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., were working on a Star Wars film. Apparently, the movie concept is now being repurposed as a series, and it's going to be retooled to be a longer-form Disney Plus series focusing on the character of Finn. Plot details are light, but what we're told is that John Boyega will return as Finn. The series would explore his backstory, including how he came to be in the First Order, it would also show where he's going post Rise of Skywalker. The plot in the future will have ties and share a villain with his past, although no further info. And the series could be set to be a replacement for Rangers of the New Republic, which appears to have now, well, not necessarily that on the vine, it's back on the shelf for the time being. So A, um, I think this would be an interesting story. <laughs> I think it would actually be good PR for Disney based on, you know, the bad press that was going on earlier. I mean, I know that's besides the story. I, 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 the story sounds interesting because I think the idea of, you know, the, you know, the first order taking, you know, children from their parents and then, you know, brainwashing them and be stormtroopers and things like that. And we'll talk about that when we talk about the Bad Batch. But anyway, that whole thing is really good. And then obviously his, what he's doing as far as, Jedi training, stuff like that. I think it'd be cool. Now, that being said, if I was the reporter in the room, I'd be the first one asking him, so I have a quote here of when you said, don't Disney plus me. So, you know, I, he, he, if, if it is all true, he's going to be eating a little bit of crow at the beginning of the press junkets. Yeah, so. but he's going to be eating crow on really fancy plates made out of gold <laughs> from that fat check he just cashed. So... Bingo. <laughs> he's going to be fine. He's going to, like you said, he's going to just live it up because it's like, oh, they gave me a lot of in money. The words of, in the words of Anthony Mackie, they cut the check. They cut the check. Yeah, um, you know, but still, it, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, no, it's fine to call that out because, again, like this is like, you know, I'm going to talk down on this. I'm going to talk down on the way that Disney does their business. And and yet now you're coming right back to the table for more money. And it's like, okay, you know, it's fair to point that out. It, it really is. But I also feel like at the end of the day, he can do whatever he wants. I like the character. Um, let's see what they can do with it. I mean, it's his, it's his career. So it's, you know, this is still a job for him. And you know, if somebody comes and offers you a ton of money to do something that you know you can do and do well, and you know be well received, it's kind of hard to say. No, no, don't. I don't want to do that. Uh, yes, there is some crow he will have to eat because there was a lot of recrimination. At the same time, though, he could always go back and say, "I sat down with Kathleen and 
and the folks over at this uh, Lucasfilm, and we kind of hashed that out, buried all the bad feelings, and well, you know, forward. So I mean, there's there's room to say, look, we we found common ground. I mean, good lord, uh, you know, if you look at the this this happens all over the entertainment industry, but you know, studios don't care, and the actors don't care, just like the you know record producers don't care, and the artists don't care. You watch uh, the documentary on the Eagles. And they they gripe about David Geffen and how they sued David Geffen and David Geffen sued them. And then where did Don Hen- who did Don Henley sign with when he went to do his solo stuff? David Geffen. David Geffen. So it's like you know it, it's like you know money money cures all you know all cash rules everything you know. around me cream get the money dollar dollar bill y'all to quote the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> <laughs> with that i don't think there's anything to follow there <laughs> yeah so yeah so again we'll see where it goes from there but what, and, do, you, what, uh, do, you, what do you guys think about the story i mean like, i think this i think the story idea is kind of cool yeah it's fine i mean like um hey we've kind of been around and around and around on where we left things in in nine and uh they didn't do that story justice uh, they didn't do history justice. Yeah. And so they kind of left, you know, the way that Rose got fridged and everything, there'd be an opportunity to maybe bring her back, you know? So there's, there's opportunities here to tell the stories of characters that people care about, um, that have interesting stories that we didn't get enough of, um, mm-hmm. in that last movie. So, uh, I, you know, I'd frame it as a positive, of course, um, I guess I'd rather it focus in on Ray at this point because I'm really sort of interested in what she's going to do. Well, one of the things that the rumor says is that at this point, there's no word on if they've reached out to either Daisy or Oscar Isaac mm-hmm. just to see about possibly coming back because it would be interesting with all, to see. With all, due, with all due respect, I don't think Oscar Isaac needs to be involved in it because well, if I want to, for, with me, with this story, I want to see it about Jedi stuff and Finn's backstory. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't need, yeah, I mean, I do a different show with Oscar Isaac if you're going to do something. But, yeah, but they're buddies. Look, but you can do Rangers of the New Republic if you want to do that. That'd be great for Oscar Isaac and Poe Dameron. Uh, but in terms of this story, I, I think But he's, he's going to need it. It's not until he needs a new house. So, this is true. Yeah, yeah he's going to be Moon Knight, so he can't be going back and forth like his buddy Pedro. Uh, I guess, I mean, on, the, on this story, I'm interested. Like I said, I, I always loved the character of Finn. I thought, like Dave said, we really he really got the short end of the stick regarding store development in Episode 9. So giving him an opportunity not just to give his own backstory, but to kind of see where he goes, whether it is the Jedi path or whether it's something else, whether it's, you know, maybe going alongside uh, Lando and uh, trying to find that the, you know, where all these other former stormtroopers uh, were absconded from. It could be, it could go in a number of ways. I Look, I trust John Boyega as an actor. He does a great role, so... Again, it's just like I said, more good content for Disney Plus. Well, I tell you what, if if Disney Plus, if Star Wars wants content, and here's the thing, as I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, I was thinking as we were talking about this, uh, you know, Marvel's got the what if, and I mentioned on the last podcast, you know, or maybe I, or maybe not on the podcast, but somebody is like, what, you know, could Star Wars what if, you know, work? 
So here's what they need to do. A certain point of view. Those Some of those stories in the certain point of view uh, books would make for a great Star Wars series. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, the timeline of A New Hope and, you know, you know, or the timeline of Empire Strikes Back, you know, maybe not necessarily the Wampa story, but, you know, it's like there are there are certain certain ones of those stories that would be really, really kind of cool, you know, and they could be just a single episode. That's it, you know, and then next week it's we're on to a different one. So anyway, there you go, Lucasfilm. I won't even charge you for it. Um, I don't know. Uh, well, hey, let's, uh, that's, that's, for, that's a story for another day. We need to have uh, uh, the clip of Maz Kanata saying that, you know. Where'd you get that? A good question for another time. Um, bad Batch. Bad Batch is done. And uh, so, like I said, we haven't... Yep. So we're not again. We're not going to talk about from episode to episode. Um, we're just going to, like I said, talk more holistically, kind of a the, the bird's eye view of things. Um, I guess. I guess the first question, <clears throat> I think, just going around the horn, um, like we've done the last couple episodes, you know, like it, hate it, or meh, you know, just kind of the season as a whole. Um, and I'll start it off by saying I liked it. I was actually surprised by it. Bad Batch was one of those things where I was like kind of skeptical going in. Um, and I mean, overall, though, I, I, I kind of liked it. It was, you know, it was a nice continuation of things. Um, and we'll, we'll get more into like how it filled in some gaps in the Star Wars story, how it advanced the Star Wars story. But I mean, I like the characters. I like the animation. Um yeah, I just I ended up enjoying the season overall. Dave, like it, hate uh, it, meh. Yeah, um, liked it, but you know I trend positive with this stuff to begin with. So like, take that with a grain of salt, I guess. Um, it was interesting to me. It's like I went back and I watched some of Clone Wars, the last few episodes, uh, while we were in the middle of this season, and. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that stuff is intense and great and phenomenal and everybody should watch it. Um, those last few episodes with um, Anakin and Darth Maul and, and uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot. So um, it doesn't reach those highs. I don't, th- I think few things could, um, but I like it. Um, and I think it has a lot of potential. I hope, I hope that it goes further, um, but uh, for right now, where we are in the State of the Union, I like it. Yeah, uh, kind of hundred foot, you know, thousand foot view. I uh, liked it a great deal. Uh, it gave us some of the stuff that I, I kind of expected it was going to give us, primarily regarding around the fall of the Republic, the rise of the Empire, which I think, again, I keep saying, it's something that's not been touched upon enough. You know, I always wanted to see how people reacted to it because it's one thing to get it the moment it happens and see stuff happening in the Senate, but how did the galaxy wide you know deal with this? Um, and we're seeing getting some of that. Some of the overarching, you know, some of the arcs that are in the season kind of 
you know, went up or down in quality in terms of how much interest I had. But overall, I liked it. I liked it. I liked the show. I liked the characters. Uh, I liked kind of where they were going. You know, it's a, I didn't realize that I had that many questions about what the heck happened to the clones post episode three. Because, you know, right. by, the time yeah. we see, by the time we come back to episode four, ain't no clones no more. So what happened? I think if I if I had one real big criticism, the thing that, that drove me bonkers, it, it was it was tech, and I didn't dislike him as a character. I disliked the the way it was so obvious they were using him as Mister Exposition. It's like, oh, we need to explain this thing. Let's just have tech look at his computer monitor and then you know spit out you know the exposition. It's just mm-hmm. that that was so. Well, they weren't even trying to be sly about it, you know. But anyway, that it so that just to me was like, eh, could there have been a more creative way to get that information? But on the flip side of that, it's kind of a, it's kind of a nice little Swiss Army knife to have with you. But um, I dovetail off that a little bit and just say that I like certain characters a great deal, and I feel like some of these characters have been developed in an interesting way, and I can't wait to see where they go from here. Mm-hmm. And other characters. Like you said, kind of one note, not learning more about them, not figuring out where what their place in the universe well, you know, is and where they're going to head eventually. And we're just like, like you like... said, Mr. Exposition. And then you have the lug, you know, the big brute guy, you know, who charges into everything. And it seemed uh, like they were starting to go down a route with Echo where it was like he was conflicted with what they were doing or not doing versus mm-hmm. what he was, you know, originally. And then it was just dropped. And so maybe it's something that'll get picked up in season two, you know, cause he's more of soldier, not mercenary. You know, it was, um, so I thought there was, you know, even though I liked it, I thought there was some not necessarily missed opportunities, but uh, telegraphed. It's like they telegraphed a punch that they never threw. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it was interesting because I thought we were going to get more of what you're describing, Aaron. And then it was almost like it was too eager to set settle into the mission of the week kind of episode, which we got a few of in the middle of the season. And those are the ones that, okay, Fennec Shand and Cat uh, Bane going at it aside. I don't necessarily know that some of those episodes once the full series is done, there'll be ones that I'll be running back into. Like like the one where we're trying to rescue Jabba's baby uh, uh, Rancor. You know, I'm like, hmm. but, right. So I, I wish we would have gotten a bit more into the that development that you're describing about the characters and their, you know, exploring their place in but this you know new society. But what's interesting, okay, so the, the, I guess the, the uh, let's take the... Um, well, the next two questions, I, it's hard to to take my separate. next point and separate the two um, because we're going to talk about how has the Bad Batch advanced the greater Star Wars story, you know, as it ha- or has it has it not advanced? You know, has it propelled anything forward? But, you know, kind of maybe a, I guess the sub bullet of that is what gaps have been filled in. And that you mentioned Fennec Shand and you mentioned Jabba's Rancor. Mm-hmm. Again, if we're the guy with the red lines on the on the board, 
I mean, all these things are pointing to Boba Fett. You know, it's you have Fennec Shand, who's, you know, in The Mandalorian is teamed up with Boba Fett. You have Fennec Shand, who is trying to protect, you know, um, Boba Fett's sister, Omega. You have, you know, the Rancor, Jabba, he's dealing, and he's the Bad Batcher dealing basically with, you know, Bib Fortuna, who Boba Fett ends up killing at the end of Mandalorian season two. So, all these, everything's coming back to Boba Fett. I know I, I made the prediction that, you know, we were, because Fennec Shand was going to be in it, we were going to see Boba Fett. We didn't see Boba Fett. So, whoever I owe $5 to, I owe $5 to. But, it's like I said, if all the lines are being drawn in the center, it's, you know, this is all coming down to Boba Fett. Possibly. Yeah. I like, I'm less convinced just, I think they're pointing to it in a, in a way that we, we've talked about this, where it's like either you're setting up Boba Fett in this series, or you're setting up these supporting characters that are going to appear in the Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett. Um, or both. Um, but I think it's more the latter right now. I, th- I think that they're trying to give some backstory to some individuals who may pop up in that. Um, and I, you know, well, it, and that was a, good. And that was going to, that was going to be my point that, mm-hmm. you know, like I said earlier about, you know, are we, we're just bringing in Dr. Strange so that we can explain away all this stuff. It was like very utilitarian. Right. Um, I think it seems like the bad batch. I I don't, I don't really think that, I don't know. It it really hasn't advanced the greater star Wars story to me, but it's acting as that you, that tool to set other things up. It's, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's preparing all of us because, or, you know, and there's a little bit also explaining because, you know, remember that, you know, the the ghost always could scramble its signal that's why i call it the ghost and then there's a throwaway line in the bad batch of you know oh tech showed me how to scramble a ship's signal oh that's great hera it's like you know so we filled in that gap you know we'll talk about the maybe the season the season finale of the bad batch and a huge connection that was made i i I think i think that's what the bad batch is doing it's you know it's yes it's explaining what happened between the fall of the Republic and, you know, and the fall of the empire. But it's also, like I said, preparing us for these other things or explaining some things that weren't explained. Yeah, no. And I think, you know, I always thought that that was going to be the biggest benefit outside of its own story that, that this show could do is kind of connect us because there's a you know there's a good gap between the last scenes of Clone Wars season eight and the first scenes of the Rebels, you know, so filling in that that big old you know uh, informational desert with stuff is is part of what they can do. I, in terms of meeting, um, you know, how has it advanced? I don't think it has advanced too much. I think what it's done particularly well this season, it's it's posited a lot of good questions. Like when we get to the end of season one and we're like, hey, where did all the clones go? What happened to Camino? You know, in a weird way, even the the the, the final scene of season one is connected now to episode nine well, in a way nobody could have imagined. Well that but, was that that was yeah, okay, so maybe we can 
you know, maybe we can talk about that real quick. Mm -hmm. That was a huge connection that was made to Mandalorian season two Mm -hmm. was the, you know, if you want to call it the post credit scene of, you know, it wasn't really post credits, but the last scene in uh, the finale where uh, Lama say was being, they took her somewhere and she's being greeted by a dude who's wearing the same uniform as um, Pershing from, the Mandalorian, Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. got the got the Camino markings on his, you know, on his shoulder and everything, and even wearing the dark glasses. So, um, so I guess maybe that's the question. So, what do you think they're What do you think they're doing here? Are they Are they going? Is season two now going to be setting up so we all feel better about the um, rise of Skywalker and how the Emperor cloned himself? Maybe. I mean, is, is this react was this and are they going to say that was always the plan or is this you know <laughs> or did rise of skywalker come out and dave filoni said don't worry i got you i got an idea i think it's that uh yeah i mean obviously because <laughs> they didn't plan half of this stuff out but um what's what's fun about this right is that what fredo was talking about earlier which is that i think when we came into this series we saw you know ex-military so we thought through that prism, we'll get to understand um, the empire and the occupation and those baby steps that it's taking to subjugate a galaxy. And we're getting some of that. But one of the other main characters in the show, as it turns out, is Omega. And so through her perspective and through her experiences, we're getting a lot more information about cloning. Um, just as a big umbrella term, the Kaminoans, what they did, how that impacted the galaxy and where that's going to lead into some of these other things. There was that one episode where we saw like Snoke like people in vats, you know, I mean, it looked like Snoke. I'd have to go back and watch. Uh, to me, they look like confirmed. they look like other Kaminoans, but I mean, yeah, okay. you're right. They, yeah, it was it was very similar to what we saw in Mandalorian season two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and very similar to what we saw in Rise of Skywalker. So they are making a concerted effort to sort of tie this stuff in and give us more of a backstory because it's like, oh, well, how did the Emperor come back? It's like, well, okay. Everybody is like hung up on that. I'm going to show you, well, you know. You know, and that's the thing is that it, it's this this show is not about the Bad Batch. I think we talked about this before. It's not about the Bad Batch. I mean, the Bad Batch is really, it's, you know, they always said that, you know, R2-D2 and C-3PO are like the Greek chorus. I mean, the Bad Batch for, you know, in this time period, the Greek chorus. They're, we're, we're seeing, you know, the major happenings through their eyes and their experiences. Um, because this, this show is more about, I mean, the big mystery is Omega. Yep. It's Omega and cloning. Mm-hmm. And everything else is just, you know, are, they're they're just the vehicles to get us through that story. Um, so I guess, uh, I mean, but, go ahead, Fredo. No, I was going to say, but what's interesting is that by putting a character like Omega with the Bad Batch, it almost juxtaposes her dynamic with the one that we know Boba's in. Because I'm trying to remember, remember when Boba was running around with... Uh, Ayla and Bosk and mm-hmm. 
all the other bounty hunters, and his mission was to kill Mace Windu. Meanwhile, Omega is hanging out with the Bad Batch, and they're hanging out at the CDS bars and and uh, Ord Mandel, and all you know, she's going on missions, but it's her heart, it's her positivity, it's her good nature that's winning stuff over well there's them. So i mean there's a juxtaposition there that bigger I think bigger, the- bigger than life especially i mean they and they set it up by saying boba is alpha and and she She's is omega. omega you know which means and so we will get to see we're gonna, we're gonna get yin and yang yeah so okay i guess that let's let's fast forward do you think we're going to see um old omega in the book of boba fett are we going to see live action omega Nobody wants to. I would not be surprised. Again, I I think this this whole thing is setting us up. I mean, because everybody, I think, is expecting the book of Boba Fett to be about. I don't know. Yeah, Boba Fett going in town, whomping and a whooping. But it's you know, I I think we're going to. It's going to be Bad Batch season one point five. You know, at the end of season two of The Mandalorian, you see you see that coda where, you know, he walks in and, you know, they shoot Fortuna and he takes the throne and you're like, oh, and then Book of Boba Fett's coming. And I'm like, that was my, I remember my initial reaction to that was like, well, okay, he just won. So, <laughs> so what's the story? It's like, what is, what, where is he going now? Yeah. And so I'm interested, like, on that level, it's like, well, what story could you tell? But isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? Because your your assumption there is that that's the beginning of the story of the right. book of Boba Fett. It could yeah, actually well, be the end. It could be the end. I could have spoiled the ending for everybody. You know, um, but you know what I mean? Well, and it's, it's what it's it's what we, we all go into these shows with a lot of assumptions. I mean, the Bad Batch. Oh, it's going to be about... Eh. And then we get mad about filler episodes and it's like, no, if you pay attention, you know, we're, there's a, there's a bigger, I, I, it really does seem like Star Wars is kind of reverse engineering into the Marvel model. Like we talked about instead of starting it from the get go and like, you know, Coon and friends, you know, mapping out everybody's Netflix, you know, series and everything they've, Hey, I think we can do this, you know, kind of not retconning but you know retroactive we can kind of we can kind of work this in now into the the way we do things um kind of building it on and i don't mind i don't and i don't mind it you know um but uh yeah so no and i think there is a possibly you know there's positivity about that because it's a different way of storytelling but it's also one that appeals to no fan the fan base because you're getting the you're getting the answers it's kind of how it's getting sold and no what it is is they're coming afterwards and explaining all the stuff of how it happened uh i do think you know we probably i mean it'd be interesting to see if omega if and when omega turns up in live action because you know who they'll cast and how they'll make her look to to clearly denote that this is grown up omega olivia and other- john yeah, you got to get somebody Kiwi. You got to get somebody who's got the she's, same... She's not Kiwi, but, you know... They... Well, that's the thing. You got to get somebody... Yeah. Actually, uh, I was going to say, what, what's her name? The uh, famous stunt actress of the death group? She's Kiwi. Uh, so, uh, But no, but I was going to say real quick, the other thing we have not heard yet is, and we haven't seen anything about is, 
uh, cloning force powers and whether Omega may have it. Yeah. You know, and again, that's that's a big point of discussion with Grogu and all that. You know, it's like, let's tap into his connection to the Force and imbue these soldiers with that. And so... The midichlorian um, count. Yeah, yeah we haven't well, let's, even let's remember we haven't gone something. there yet. Well, let's remember something here. Okay, so they always talk about Boba Fett or Jango Fett being the original donor, right? Right. Um, how, I mean, however... Um, well, I guess, I don't know. I have to go back and see what the exact phrase is there. And there's a way you could probably work this out because who was the one who actually ordered the clones? It was a Jedi master. sifo yeah. And it was, you know, so... Wait. And and working, working not with the knowledge of the council. So would it be possible that why, you know... And in, in Attack of the Clones, they say that, Jan- that Jango just requested we're kind of led to believe that boba fett was the only unaltered clone that was made well that's we know that's not true now so could it be that there was another donor that was sifodius maybe and so if you want it like i said now we're i'm just pulling some stuff out of my caboose here but i mean if you want if we're going to talk about you know omega being you know maybe force sensitive it's like well they got to get that dna from someplace you know, maybe this is, you know. And remember, who did uh, who did uh, Django Fett said hired him? It was a man was named Tyrannus. Yeah. Count Dooku. So you could very well have Count Dooku have given that blood sample to the Kaminoans and, you know, in the orders of his master. So it don't take much to get some midichlorians in a vial and try to figure it out. You know what I like better as a story? Uh mm-hmm possibility here is just to think about what if Django has some force sensitivity which is why like you know he was not afraid of the Jedi and uh, he was able to sort of hold his own against Obi-Wan and that they weren't able to transfer that to the clones because they were altered and there was no sort of transfer of that forceness and so that that's what makes Omega so special, and that's what makes her so coveted. Um, again, if we're just throwing stuff out there, you know, like that's mm-hmm. that's something that's occurred to me as we've been watching this is that Omega has some kind of force sensitivity, and they're trying to duplicate that. So, uh, okay, so one of the questions I had here: what what other gaps were filled in? Like, in let's t- look at just like I said in the greater Star Wars story. Like I mentioned. You know, Hera learning how to scramble a ship's signal. What what other kind of gaps were were filled in? Um, I mean, a big a big one was um, the operation to replace the clones with TK troopers. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, that's been something that's been on people's minds ever since the clones showed up in uh, episode two. Um, and you know, a lot of there was the longest time people thought that the stormtroopers were clones, and that was always speculation. Um, do you think? Let me ask you this: Do you think in season two we're gonna get some really horrific horror episode where the Bad Batch lands on some distant planet where they find, for lack of a better term, a massive graveyard of clones, or or just clones and sconces like? 
uh, tubes. I I re- I really think uh, it, to me it it kind of makes it, for cartoon's sake it makes a little bit more sense to okay let's let's send the clones to the place like it's kind of like sending the person to you know be in charge of the weather station in Siberia. You know, it's like we're going to send you to Kessel or we're going to send you to, you know, Sullust or just places that are just going to go, you go stand a post and it's just, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, because uh, kind of one of the interesting holes that I didn't know I wanted filled out, but we got was towards the end of the season was uh, the episode where they go and rescue Gregor. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, you haven't, I mean, you've seen some of the clones have second thoughts about what the republic now the empire is well, that doing. was that was a huge scene in the finale here was when the clone had to report that all of the you know all the mm-hmm. platforms are in the were in the ocean he was that was his home you know it was, yeah. that was where he was born and he just destroyed it and he was just mortified yeah. um that was that was kind of a huge moment yeah because you don't think about it but there's this whole group of people the clones for whom home was Camino. that was you know they made a big deal of the fact in uh, clone wars when the separatists invade Camino, that domino squad and the rest of them were defending their home i think it makes a lot of sense the way that that they're telling that particular story too like they could have probably dragged that on further if they really wanted to but um just the fact that you didn't see Camino affected at all by the war really in the movies and then in the clone wars and then to see what actually happens is like we've been told that story now um by the end of season one we've gotten this the answer on well what happened to camino because those guys aren't going to just like stop cloning <laughs> you know like it wasn't going to just stop so like how did that get resolved well now we have mm-hmm. we have an answer Right, but also, and I think there's more to that story that's going to come regarding the clones, just because we're seeing clones challenging the Empire, we're seeing clones wanting to leave, and uh, we're seeing clones having second death. So we know they're not around as a as a, as a force. But then you also sentiment. have you also have clones like um, Crosshair, Crosshair, who have found Point. purpose and you know a desire to be in the empire, even though he's, I mean, it's a little bit more complicated with him, but, um, I went, so one of the things I said here, what, you know, what has been set up? Um, I also think we've seen the beginnings of the death troopers, um, Mm -hmm. that you saw in, in rogue one. Um, and it seems like crosshairs kind of, you know, initial group. I mean, that was, it was too similar not to, you know, maybe be the, the predecessors of the death troopers. Um, um, I think we're seeing the beginnings of the dark troopers a little bit mm-hmm. um, with some of this cloning stuff. Well, and they even had them in cause didn't Omega like those... opened up a, a drawer full of them to knock. Yeah. Somebody they're out. Those droid training the... droid things. Right. Yeah. Version were... one. Yeah. Yeah. Version one, 1.0. Um, so yeah, that you know they they exist at this point. So that's kind of fun to see. I you know I love that you brought up Crosshair because like to me he's the most interesting character in the series so far. 
and maybe he, by a significant he didn't, margin. He didn't get interesting until about the last, you know, three episodes, maybe because he had been mm-hmm. kind of a one-tune pony for a while, and it was yeah, um, it, yeah. I would agree with you that it was very, very interesting. And anytime his interactions with Omega was yeah. very interesting. Sorry, I cut you off there. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, those are the two my two favorite characters so far because it's like I'm fascinated by both of them. I want to know more about what makes each of them tick, and I want to know about more about where they're headed. It's like what what where are you going to find your path in this whole story? Um, the the rest of the clones less so, but. Um, I think like with Crosshair, what's interesting to me is like you said, he's kind of one note for a long, long portion of this series. But then by the end of it, you're, I was so thankful that they didn't end the story. Like he didn't die or he didn't rejoin them. It was, you know, I, I, this is, I don't want what you want. You know, at the end of the day, I just, I don't want what you want. And like he lied about not having his inhibitor chip anymore i mean they might have pulled it out but i we saw that whole sequence early in the series when um they said we're going to enhance uh the inhibitor chip rather than take it out Mm -hmm. and i'm assuming that's still the case it may not be but like he said that the opposite was true he said oh they took it out um i find that kind of interesting you know like he's like this is what I want. This is me. I'm self-actualizing. And he's not ready to join them yet or help them yet in the way that they want him to. And yet um, they're on opposite sides of, of the conflict right now. And so there's no choice but for them to be antagonists towards each other. So, um, yeah, and... That is, I, I would, I would agree with all of that. Um, and it was very interesting how they kept showing though the, the humane side, you know, he, he mm-hmm. has a heart, you know, he saved, he saved her droid. He saved her dog, you know, um, it's there, you know, he's probably, he's, he's a very complicated character. We got it. We got our alarm going off here. Um, so I, you know, I really do still, I think the overall story though, that is being told here has everything to do with cloning because some of the most powerful scenes are when Omega is in that lab or when she sees the canisters on the old base, when Fennec Shand and Cad Bane were running around. Um, and then the, the thing at the very end here, um, with, uh, Lama say being, you know, taken into, you know, the, whatever this facility is. I I think that's what season two is going to be more about. And it's going to be, yeah, it's her, her impact on this story is going to be a lot more important than what we're talking about in this context, which is like, she's the, um, she's the voice of humanity for them. It's like she pulls them back to well, she's be, their moral compass to be yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're not just these things that were created in a lab, you know, you're, you're people with feelings and with morals and you have to do certain things in this universe to coexist with other people. And it's like, she serves an important role in the story in that way. I think like what we've been talking about is exactly right though. It's like eventually 
we're going to find out a lot more about cloning, about what her backstory is, how she fits into this stuff. And again, I, I kind of think it's force sensitivity, but we'll see. Um, so we, I don't know if, go ahead. We, we, we talked a lot about our thoughts and just to wrap up, uh, Fredo, do you want to kind of bring us into the, uh, the article with the, the creators just to sum yeah. up real quick? Yeah. Star Wars, uh, com had an interview with, uh, Brad Rao and uh, Jennifer Corbett were the executive producers and supervising directors and head writers of Bad Badge. So I started asking them about the show and they go, one of the big, one of the big uh, themes of season one was, what is my purpose? And then Jennifer Corbett goes, I think it depends on which member of the Bad Badge you ask. It's going to have a different opinion of where they stand, you know, particularly characters like Hunter, Crosshair, Echo, and Omega. It's a show theme because the Empire taking over and the galaxy shifting and changing. So are they. So Hunter's trying to keep his squad safe. Omega's trying to learn how to survive in the world. Crosshair's trying to see if he fits in the Empire. You know, and uh, Echo's the one who keeps questioning Hunter. It's interesting. She highlights Echo as the kind of the middle of the road. And uh, Brad uh, continues by saying they didn't want to have everyone's purpose locked in at the end of season one. It's something they'll have to deal with in a big way as they move into season two, you know, because they're coming at it from their own different points of view. Uh, they also discuss about Omega being a big surprise and just simply saying that they came up with the idea of a younger clone who needed their help and then uh, just how that created the idea of them being guardians. So that was kind of like original concept, but then it allowed them to be these super soldiers being out of their comfort zone. Because, you know, they're no longer in a military setting. They're no longer in a military environment. And they are wholly responsible for Omega. You know, that was different from all the other. Because she's a clone, but she her perspective is 100% different from everybody else's. Um, and then just finally, uh, you know, because you know, they start getting into some of the interplay with the other clones, as they mentioned. You know, one of the things that they enjoyed was how they took care to show that the clones didn't just become evil when Order 66 happened. You know, they highlight Hauser with the Syndulas, but then they also show the clones at the start with, um, uh, with uh, what you call Depa Balaba. So they're, they, and they admit they spoke a lot about that. They spoke about how their helmet distortion sounds was created to make them sound a bit more evil and robotic. So. So again, it's they wanted to get into the heads of the characters and say, look, you know, the clones are fan favorites. That's what makes them so tricky. They went from being cannon fodder in the prequel movies to being show favorite, no, fan favorites in the in the series, and then Order sixty six, and the the switch gets flipped, and now yeah. uh, they're trying to be more than saying more than just being pawns. So it's an interesting you know interview and. I uh, gave the link to Dave. He wants to link it in the show notes for anybody who wants to read it. It's, it's interesting because they're trying to come at it from a point of view of we're not just continuing Clone Wars. We're doing something different. But I don't think that we're wrong about, you know, what they're, how utilitarian this, this episode, this series is. Um, mm -hmm. They're they're not going to take us into the sausage factory, you know, but mm -hmm. it, it's, it seems to me that that's what they're, they're doing there. They're, like I said, filling in some gaps, but setting, setting things up, you know. I just thought, like I said, that idea of getting into, because these characters, it's, you know, what makes them interesting is that they were, 
created for a single solitary purpose, to be an army, to be soldiers. Well, now there's no war. And if anything, your choices are keep following orders and doing what everybody else is doing, kind of like crosshairs, if you can find a spot in the new empire, or break out on your own, like we're seeing Rex and Hunter and the rest of the Bad Batch and Gregor. Like, how do you find a place when all the skills that you know and everything that you've done no longer apply? So, Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, it creates an opportunity for good stories. I agree with that. I think like we when we thought about this con- the concept of the story and the setting, it's like soldiers made a lot of sense because like a you could tie them into the geopolitical galaxy spanning stuff, right? Um, there would they would have an entry point, um, and we would be able to hear more and learn more about how the empire was truly formed. Um, but then like um, like you said. This is the time of great change. Um, And so it's like, well, who would be in a position to be most affected by that? And it would be the clones. It's like, well, what? Who are we? What are we doing? We don't know. Um, We got to try to kind of figure that out. Do we have a purpose? What is that purpose? And um, they're all kind of, like you said, they're figuring this out for themselves. Each character is going to arrive at a different place, ultimately. And there will probably be conflicts along the way trying to figure that stuff out. But I think like there is a lot of storytelling potential in that. Um, I know that some people were kind of disappointed by Bad Batch. They thought it was maybe a little slow-paced. Um, you know, maybe it was a little repetitive in terms of like the, all the clone stories. Um but I do think there's still like a massive amount of potential in this. So uh, I'm kind of, ex- I'm still kind of excited for season two. Um, you know, like I, I would have, I would rather that we move the ball further down the court, I think in season one. But if you think about like when we, we were trying to put it into context of like what has happened and like, how does this affect the overarching star Wars story? It's like, well, yeah, actually some stuff has really has happened with Camino and with the cloning and everything else. So um, I think overall, I, I would say that we're, 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 we're about where we need to be. Um, but I'm still excited about the potential. Like, I think we can still do a lot more. That said, how, how happy were you the moment Cad Bane showed up? <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> so, uh, Everybody out there, you'd let us know what you what you thought about uh, the Bad Batch as a as a whole for you know season one. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter, um, on Facebook, whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, until then, I suppose we'll wrap things up and uh, we'll say who dat, who dat, who dat, and uh, everybody have a great week. My monkey.